Turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. As we have preached the last several weeks, we saw the, the shift in ministry that Jesus had spent so, many, so much time and had done so many miracles around Galilee, and yet now he has set his eyes on Jerusalem, and he is headed toward that city. And today we see him as we prepare our hearts, though we're only in the beginning of February, we're headed toward Easter, toward the most holy of days for a Christian. We begin preparing our spirit by looking at the message this, the message this morning is we have looked at the servant of God as the theme of all of this Mark's gospel. Today we see the servant's triumph. The servant's triumph. Notice with me in Mark 11, verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and said unto them, Go your way, into the village over against you, and as soon as ye enter into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And you know that is prophesied in the Old Testament. And if any man say unto you, Why do you do this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What are you doing? What, what, what do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus hath commanded. And they let them go. And as they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The servants triumph. As I was studying and preparing this message, I thought, you know, it's uh, getting close to Daytona 500. And for years we've heard Richard Petty called the king of NASCAR. And even his own son refers to him as the king. And in some ways he was the king of NASCAR. We've heard Michael Jackson referred to as the king of pop and Elvis referred to as the king of rock and roll and there's King James, not the Bible, but the basketball. I think that was uh, self-inferred uh, where he anointed himself. But there are so many things that people say he's the king of this and he's the king of that and all these others, but here comes riding the king of kings. 
as Paul wrote to his son Timothy in the last chapter of that first epistle, he said that he was not only the king of kings, but the Lord of lords. And that's what we examine today, is the servant's triumph. Now, he's only days away from taking up the cross. He's only days away. I mean, within a week, he's going to have those who lined his red carpet cheering him on and crying Hosanna, who in just a matter of a few short days would stand almost in the exact same spot and cry, crucify him. My friends, the world and human beings are as fickle as South Georgia weather. And our opinions change. But our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, though first must be established, many don't have one, but when we have met him and we see him for who he is, high and lifted up, and we have bent our knee and bowed our head and confessed our sin, and Jesus has rebirthed us, and we have been saved, and the inrush of the Holy Spirit has made alive that which was a corpse, then there should never be a question that wherever we're at, whatever we do, we're crying, Hosanna to the King. Friday night, as great as it was, And in crowning those kings and queens was ultimately about the love of the king of kings. That's why we do what we do. Everything we do is to present his love. That's the love of a Jesus who said, I must needs go through Samaria. That's the the love of Jesus who went down when the waters would be stirred and that one man could not get in and Jesus healed him and raised him. He was that one who passed by and that, that ruler's daughter was sick and he healed her without even going to her house. He is the one who would tell a convicted, guilty thief on a cross. Today you'll be with me in paradise. That's a loving, forgiving, grace-filled Savior who is Christ the Lord. First of all, today I want us to see the triumph of faithful obedience. The triumph of faithful obedience. First of all, the triumph of the faithful obedience of Jesus. He tells us in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. In that little, just, well, one of the longer minor prophets. But he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey. And upon a colt, that young foal of a donkey. Jesus was obedient as king. Think about it. He miraculously fed thousands upon thousands. We know one place 
The first place we see him record how many did he feed? 5,000. Next time, how many? I mean, over and over and over. Then you remember the story we preached just a few weeks ago. He fed 13 with one loaf. Remember, they're on the boat. They're all there, and they're like, oh, we're going to die. They were on the Sea of Galilee. They were not on the Pacific Ocean. They were not castaways. They're, listen, but that's us. Our faith, some days we are so short-sighted. But yet Jesus in his infinite grace and mercy, he scolded them. Really? So little faith? Yet he fed them. And over and over he displayed his kingship. Because listen, kings feed their countries. But Jesus miraculously did it. He didn't tax these to try to get this and work out some program of socialism or communism, but of his hierarchy. He was a king that was the humble servant of God. In his kingship, he healed, he taught, and even raised the dead. But then we see his obedience as servant. Listen, he was humble in his birth, right? How many kings do you know who were born in a barn? How many kings, listen, the way of kingship throughout the world, uh, especially in the Old Testament, uh, was coming up through the family lineage. But Mark, even in denoting Jesus as servant, doesn't even give us his genealogy. Because servants don't need a pedigree. He was riding on a donkey, folks, not a, not a stallion. And not even a grown donkey. He was riding on one that had never been rode upon. You see his obedience as servant in the fact that he was humble in his birth and in his everyday life. One time he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but even the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He told his disciples, and I believe he lived it by example, when he said, don't even take two coats. You take, you take the, the shirt on your back, but don't take an extra cloak. Don't fill your money bags. Live by faith. Walk by faith. He was humble in that. He didn't have servants around him coming to polish his nails and to kiss his ring. Yet he bent down and washed the feet of those who followed him. We saw that exemplified Friday night. We saw young people, we saw all people do whatever it took to serve others. They polished their shoes. They curled their hair. They fed them. Some of, listen, do you understand some people out of that 547, never set foot in this room during the entire night because they were faithful to the task of parking cars and, and working the logistics and staying back there in the kitchen to make sure everything come off without a hitch. Do you know who the unsung heroes are to me? A couple of them are sitting right over here. 
We had to at one point go back and get some tables and chairs and Wesley and others who helped and Adrian and uh, several others that help us try to get to the crowd down here because Jay's up here jamming. Everybody wants to be up here. You know, the band was killing it now. Kill it. That's the one thing I bragged to Emily and Ethan. They're like, man, it was great, you know, and we're trying to one-up each other. We had this. I said, did you have a live band? No. I said, okay. Enough said. But here's the thing. Every time we would go back there to get tables, to get chairs, Jimmy Tucker and others, my wife and others, were on the prayer team. Music blaring, preacher dancing. My wife will never, she said I got a little Pentecostal in me somewhere. But we would open that door and I would, I'd be like, oh no, they're praying in this left. Man, they didn't miss a beat. And for the entire thing, somebody sat back there, groups held hands and they prayed over the night. That's, that's the engine, church. That's the engine. When people pray, God does great things. Listen, Jesus was a servant. We must be that servant. He was not only humble in his birth and in his everyday life, but in his impending death. You see, Jesus, though his body was going to die, he was God. And he understood in his eternality the fullness of why he came to this earth was to go to that cross. He was the servant for you and me. But then we see the obedience of the disciples. Three years of preaching tours. Day in, day out. They took boat rides when the boats were... Now, when we talk about, you know, 13 on the boat, Jesus in the boat, they were not on yachts, okay? They were not even on nice fishing ski boats. They were on old wood with a sail type. They didn't have an outboard. They didn't have an inboard. They had oars and they had sails. And this thing was packed in. They're elbow to elbow working the tackle to try to make a living in some of these things. And they had stripped some of the, the fishing tackle and used these boats to get across this lake. And where it sits, now I said, you know, it's small, but it's amazing the, the way the weather works. You know, you know the jet streams and how sometimes it can be colder here than it is in North Georgia based on the way the jet streams and, and there's places in the Sierras out west that they get more snowfall than anywhere else in the world because of the mountain factor and the wind factor and some of the, well, the, where the Sea of Galilee is, they have what we see in Acts, one place calls the Oraculodon, which is a, uh, a tempest, a great storm that can blow up out of nowhere. I was in Colorado one time, and we were standing there, and it was, it was like 64 degrees. We'd pull off all our thick stuff, sunshine. All of a sudden, one little cloud come over the mountain we're right beside, and in three minutes, it began to sleep. And in two hours, there were four inches of snow. It was, it was crazy. This one cloud comes over the mountain. Well, these guys went through it day in, day out. They slept wherever they could. They ate whatever 
God provided, but they served. They fed others. They healed alongside of Jesus, and on and on and on. But notice something about this context. Jesus tells them at the very start, he sends two of his disciples, said, go get this this donkey. Tell the man. Don't that sound kind of like a a weird thing to do? I mean, come on. You know, it it must have seemed odd and menial. Uh, You know, there was a lot of menial tasks surrounding Friday night. I got a kick out of some of them that they were the uh, bathroom committee. And... uh, but they love it. God's called them to it. And they were blessed in it. And I love their pictures where they had, you know, a, a clip on their nose and stuff. But they, it's, it's remarkable. Most of us would say, huh, no. It would seem, and it, it's not that we would, it would be below us. We're just not cut out for that. And then there's other things that you do that I may not want to do. And there's things I do, you don't, but it takes all of us. And this seems so menial to go get a donkey. Why, why us two? What about them ten? You ever told God that? You ever told your mom and dad, what have I got to do? Why don't she have to do it? And why does he get to do it? We've all done that. But these guys did it. They did it. And in doing so, they fulfilled God's prophecy. And they fulfilled God's plan. I want to tell you something. Whether it's on a logistic team, whether it's working and helping alongside in a special needs ministry, if it's helping just cook for a men's ministry thing, if it's going and keeping the nursery so that mamas and daddies can grow deeper in the Lord to grow the fiber of our church to be everything God wants us to be, then bless God, do it. Because it is sacred and honorable to be that servant because Jesus exemplified it. The disciples did it. And the triumph of Jesus was seen in the faithful obedience of his disciples. You know why people will see the love of Jesus and believe in it a lot of times? is because they see it through us. They see it through us. What happened when Jesus left? He said, I can't stay with you. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, right? Because we say, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not Jesus. You're never going to be Jesus. But neither were the disciples. And in Acts it said, those guys turned the world upside down. They said it on its ear. I mean, come on. Do you think people didn't notice that tent sitting out in front of this church all week? Everybody come down. They'd break your neck. Run the stop sign. I saw it. I told you about the traffic jam on Super Bowl Sunday. And it wasn't to get in here because we had free wings. Even though that would be a good idea. It was to come be trained to serve. And the traffic backed up from that traffic light all the way to 280. Waiting to turn. To come learn and be trained to serve, not to get an award, not to get some cash prize, 
Not to be crowned the king of the night, but to come and serve the kings and queens. The world will see Jesus through us. But then the faithfulness of the cult owner. I mean, come on. It's the, it's the little things. It said, and certain of them stood there and said, what, what, what are you doing? They said, Jesus told us to. And so they let them go. He, the cult owner allowed the use without any previous plans. There wasn't a contract drawn up. They didn't have to have it notarized. They didn't have to have three witnesses. When Jesus said it, he did it. I'm going to tell you something, church. When we get past the Gideon effect of thinking we've got to put out a fleece for everything, God's got to write it in the sky. When God speaks to us, when we're in relationship with him, we'll hear that still small voice. Then he's called us to move. We must move. He's called us to join. We ought to join. We need to be baptized. We need to serve. We need to do whatever God said. And listen, God will turn Evans County upside down with this group right here. They were lost buddies here Friday night. We were able to present the gospel to them during training. And we're praying that God blesses and that we're able to reach them through our singles ministry. We're praying through parents that were here with their loved ones that we will be able to reach them through our special needs ministry. We want them to know we're not trying to just scam or pull in. We want them to know the love of Jesus is as rich for them as it is for anyone. The obedience of the cult owner was no questions asked. And no promise of return. Listen, doing something well, you know, I think of, uh, think of the Grinch when he, uh, Cindy talks him into finally coming, you know, when he shows up. And they, you know, they anoint him the, you know, the cheermeister. And he says, uh, you said something about a check. The little girl said something about a check. And she said, no, I didn't. Why are we always expecting God somehow we deserve something? We ought to do it just because we get to. You ain't got to come to church. You get to. You ain't got to pray and read your Bible. You get to. You ain't got to serve. You get to. This cult owner for the rest of his life and throughout eternity, if he was born again and believed in Jesus, which I would tend to believe he did at the, just the, the announcement of his word, not even from his mouth, but from his disciples, it's just like a preacher telling them, thus saith the Lord, and people get saved. They said, Jesus said, and he said, okay. He would forever be able to say, Jesus rode my donkey. I was allowed to have the greatest king of all. I'm humbled that I got to be a part. Everyone that was here Friday night would say, I was humbled to be a part. Jay Kendall and his post said, this is the greatest thing our band has ever done, ever. College students came to Joey and me and Brooke and others and said, now these are 
smart kids. These are kids who are graduating. They're at the top of their class. They're, they're sports figures. They have, they have been the elite of the elite their whole life. They came to us and said, this is the greatest night of my life. Just be obedient. Are we willing to allow our valuables to be used for his glory? Well, we see the faithfulness by the donkey cult. Number one, he was unbroken and untrained. What can I do? I don't know that much about the Bible, and I ain't been a member this long. I, listen, Jesus rode on a donkey that had never been trained. He didn't have to be broken. They didn't have to put a bridle in his mouth or anything. He was just willing, just like his owner was willing, the donkey cult was willing. You're not too young to serve. We saw that. I saw a video of Darius and Aiden. Man, that was cool. A little short video, but they're pumped. I saw Jenna stand over here and, and, and Allie and uh, many other of our children who served. They weren't even old enough to be buddies yet, but you know what they did? They didn't stop them. They served because they were willing to be obedient. How cool is that, church? Come on. I mean, when we see that, it, it humbles me. We must be willing to allow our valuables, our time, our talents, whatever it is to be used for His glory. And, and, and whether we're trained or not, we ought to just be willing. And think about it. When He walked in, everybody's moving around and stuff like that. So much distraction, yet God directed Him where to go. You think, well, there's so many people. I hear this nonsense. I oh, just like a little small church. Listen, yeah, be, great. But if you're being the church, it cannot stay small forever. God will move if you're being faithful. Somebody gets saved. Somebody will join. Somebody will praise and preach and do things and it'll grow. But listen, that don't mean that you fall into the woodwork and disappear. Well, I miss when it used to be, you know, and people knew my name. Listen, we're going to work on that. That's coming. We're going to work on everybody getting to know everybody a little bit better. But we ought to be growing so fast that that's a challenge. That we're reaching people for Christ. Because, listen, there'll be a lot of distractions. There'll be a lot of reasons to say, well, my Sunday school class ain't like it used to be, and it's so crowded, and I get nervous in crowded. Listen, just trust God in the distractions and keep your eye. That's the thing. He knew who was on his back. He knew who was directing him. Remember, those of you who are in ministry and leading ministries here, always remember who's leading that ministry. It's not Brother Matt. It's not Joey. It's not Andrew. It's not the deacon. It's Jesus. Now, there's sub-leaders, but always remember who's pulling the strings. Who has called us to be obedient. We must be obedient to the Lord. And he lacked intelligence. The Bible says he wasn't that bright. Donkeys are not bright. We're not that bright. You, I mean, you can tell me three or four different ways, seven different times, and I still not get it. That's the truth. I'm not being funny. But yet God can do a whole lot with a very little can't he. What's the old song? Little is much when God is in it. 
Now, let's see the opposite actions from faithful obedience. Not that I want to, but we need to. He said in verse 12, and on the next day when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of you or of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Listen to me. When we look at the triumph of faithful obedience, we now see the polar opposite in the tragedy of a fruitless life. The tragedy of a fruitless life. You know the Bible in Galatians tells us what the fruits of the Spirit are. And we think, well, I'm spiritual if I've got, you know, 70%. I'm doing pretty good. Are we desirable or a disgrace? Are we all frills? Full of leaves. Oh, look how beautiful. I'm green and I've been manicured and, and oh, it's all wonderful. But when they raise the leaves, there is no fruit. That's why Jesus cursed this fig tree. He looked and he saw all the leaves, but no fruit. There was nothing there to feed him. Or, or Eastside Church, listen, individually and corporately, we must be about the fruit, not the frill. You hear me? It's about the fruit, winning people to Jesus, loving on people, ministering, doing all the things God's called us to do. It was about all intake, no outreach. We have people in the farming community. And you know, you get the, the dirt ready. You plow it, harrow it, you know, you put in fertilizer, you do all this kind of stuff, plant the seed, all that kind of stuff, and it comes up and... I mean, could you imagine Ray planting 100 acres of corn and it all, all the stalks come up, it's beautiful, it's green, no ears on not one single stalk. Planting 100 acres of cotton. And that stuff grow up, it's as high as two bell. And all the foliage is on there and then they come over and they spray the defoliage and there are no bowls. There is no cotton, it was just all stalks. And all leaves. They've it, they have taken up the nutrients out of the ground. They have taken the fertilizer. They have, they have soaked in the water, the, the, the water from heaven and the sunlight that has shone down uh, through osmosis and photosynthesis. It has taken in, taken in, but there is no outreach, no fruit. Church, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. Well, yeah, I do. I want you to hear this. This church is not about you. The church is not about you. And if you say, well, this is my church, you're wrong. Did you, did you die for it? Because the one who did says it's his church. And it's about his agenda. It's about what he wants, not what we want. And so we must not just be here soaking it in. We've got some of the greatest Bible teachers. Wonderful music. I mean, come on. Those songs that Matt, Lord, led him and, and, and Philip and Stacy and Lauren and all the others that 
that, that lead in this, and Eli did such a great job, and all of those who do specials, it, I mean, it's spot on. Are we just going to see her soak it up, soak it up, soak it up, and not give it out? Do you, not, do you think this is worthwhile coming to? Do you think this is a good church, at least average? I think it's the best one around. I'm here because God called me here, and this is my family, and I don't think there's a better place you can go than Eastside Baptist Church. I don't think there's any greater music, and I know there's no greater gospel. Then if we really believe that, should we not take the nutrients we're receiving here and go out and use it? Jesus said we didn't, and so the fig tree was cursed. It dried up. And when they came back in verses 20 and 21, it was dead. Because you see, the fig tree had one purpose, to bear fruit. And it did not do it. Are we fulfilling our purpose, Eastside? Are we the light set on a hill? Are we salt in an unsavory world? Are we doing what God wants us to do? I think in part, yes, we are. But I believe there's other things. And I've been talking with other leaders in our church. And we're going to be coming together. And we're going to be putting together a very clear-cut and definitive vision of where God is taking us. Because Night to Shine was just kind of a kickstart. It was our B12 shot to remind us of the love of God and what we could do when we're faithful and obedient. Are we fulfilling our purpose? Listen, because what happens, he said in verse 8, look at verse 8, many spread their garments in the way when Jesus was coming. Others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they went before and they that followed crying, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We see reality triggers worship. When we see the reality of who Jesus is, reality triggers worship. So we have seen the triumph of obedience. We've seen the tragedy of a fruitless life, but now see the reality of our lives, seeing who Jesus is and how it triggers worship. First of all, the work of worship. He tells us back in chapter 1, verse 3 of Mark, He told us, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. First of all, the work of worship is to clear the way. How? Remove the rubbish. What rubbish is in your life that needs to be removed? What rubbish needs to be, it's repentance, what we see in chapter 1. What is it needs to be gone? I don't know about y'all, but I took part very willingly in the cleaning of that room right there. And it so blessed my soul. Y'all with me? I, I showed, I, I was snapping uh, my daughter and I was showing her all the design and I walked back there and she Literally did this. (gasps) She said, it's clean. You can see the floor. 
What does our spiritual room look like? What does our spiritual room look like? We've got to, we've got to clear the way. Clear the way by removing the rubbish that's in the way. Repentance. But then pave the way. How do we pave the way? He told us that. Pave the way. It's worshipful acts. Humility, reverence, surrender. Those are ways that we can pave the way. Give me the next slide. The work of worship is to pave the way through worshipful acts, humility, reverence, surrender. But then the words of worship. The words of worship. We heard words of worship up here this morning, did we not? I mean, talking about Jesus carrying our sin, being alive in Him, Him taking the weight, paying our debt. Those are, those are words of praise. And so, we, first of all, we see in the words of worship spiritual songs. Notice I didn't say hymns. Now, it could be hymns. could be new stuff. It could be little kids' songs. There is nothing more cheery than to hear someone sing it with all their heart. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. How about this one? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. It's not funny. It's real. And I know you. I can't sing very well. But I want you to hear the debt. Jesus loves you, kids. That's not just a kid's song. That's a spiritual song. Those of you who think you've outgrown that, sing it on your way home today. Turn the radio off and sing that going home. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Words of worship. They were saying, Hosanna, no doubt, see it, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. It is spiritual songs, it's prayers, praying unto the Lord. But we think prayer is all about getting. We talked about that in Sunday school. It is the acts of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving. And then, if you have, get around to it, usually you forget about it. Then supplication. But we ought to come and adore him for who he is. Confessing that we can't do it ourselves. Giving him thanks for everything he's done for us. And then, and only then, asking him to help us with what we need. Those are words of worship. Sermons. The preacher is not, hear this. They were preaching a sermon right here on the side of the road. The preacher is not the only proclaimer. Matter of fact, in John chapter 10, when, I mean Romans chapter 10, when he says, how shall they hear without a preacher? They're not talking about a, a, a three-piece suit, tie-wearing pastor of the local church. It literally is the word proclaimer. Female, male, young, old, those who know Jesus proclaiming the good news. The preacher's not the only proclaimer. And Sunday surely is not the only day to present the gospel. Tell him every day. Joel and po uh, 
posted something or shared something this morning that someone had wrote about worship. Boy, I love that. Man, it spoke to my heart too. I'm like, wow, that's right where we're at. Go back to her page and you see it. Hey, did y'all, y'all, how many of you stayed up way too late looking at all the pictures Friday night online? I don't want to hear nothing bad about, listen, let's keep that going. For one night, I didn't hear anything about politics. And all, all I saw was God being glorified and people talking about the love of Christ and how people served. That's what we use social media for. We must offer those words of worship. Testimonies of God's goodness in our life. Has God been good to you? Huh? All right, then I expect for you to get up in church, come to me if you say, I'm not going to do it, just then come to me, but you just said you had a testimony. Well, then it's time for you to share it. We just need to have a testimony service one Sunday night. We used to have them, but usually it's because the preacher didn't have anything to preach. But I'm going to schedule it a few weeks out. We're going to do it. Where you can get up and talk about how good God has been to you. That's words of worship. But then through faithful giving to number one, Strengthen the body. Number two, share the gospel. That's why we tithe and give sacrificially. You know why we were able to meet this budget? Because they saw it was something worthwhile giving to. I want to ask you, what's a soul worth? What's a soul worth, church? Would you say it's priceless? Then we ought to be giving sacrificially. Not just in pancake things, even though that's something we ought to do. Not just in support of our youth going to Fuge Camp, even though that's something it needs. But we ought to be giving undesignated every Sunday, blowing out the general fund so that there's no backing up when we need a new electronic sign to present the gospel even better. To be ready to do one of these night to shines, but it's something called Kingdom Kids this fall for 14 and under. How about that? We need to be ready with the words of worship through faithful giving. But then finally, the target of our worship defines our work. The target of our worship defines our work. Look at verse 15. And they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers. And the seats of them that sold doves. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught saying unto them. Is it not written? My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. But you have made it into a den of thieves. First of all we see the misuse of the temple. Now let me, let me go and clarify. This is not the temple. The temple was Old Testament. The Bible says this is the temple now. But we're looking at it in juxtaposition to the church. The, the, the temple didn't become the church. The church is the body of Christ. And in the body, individually, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. That's where God, we don't have to go to a building. But we do have to come together in corporate worship. And we see the misuse here. And how we misuse Ourselves and misuse 
where we worship. The misuse of the temple was by self-serving intentions. They wanted to make some money. Man, what can I get out of being a member of Eastside? Well, there's a bunch of people there. I mean, we got people who's judges, and we got people who's in politics, and people who do this, and people who do that, and I, I can get to know people. Listen, I'll tell you something. All that will take care of itself if our motives are right. Don't misuse in self-serving intentions. Well, I want to go to this class because I want it for me. I want it for this. Where does God want you? Where does God want you to be? Putting our preferences and our self-serving intentions aside and selfish applications. Listen, God had a very clear directive of how the temple business was to be taken care of and they had usurped all of it because of their selfish applications. But then notice the ministry of the temple. The ministry of the temple. We see it in the fact that it was a, a vertical ministry, the relation to God through prayer. He said it should be a house of prayer. I told you what the unsung heroes were Friday night. It's when we pray and we're right. That's what that post this morning uh, that I saw uh, was talking about is being prepared to worship, to be on our face throughout the week. Y'all want to hear from me on Sunday? Then pray for me Monday through Saturday. I need to meet with God during the week. And not just late Saturday night. You need Sunday school teachers to be meeting with God every day. Young people, you need to be meeting with God every day. You never know when Satan's going to blindside you. You need to be ready. It's the ministry, a vertical ministry to relate to God through our prayer life. But then horizontal connecting to those around us in this world. When the when that video we just showed at the start of this sermon, that's just local. Someone donating their time. That was 40 seconds. That was put online Friday night, late Friday night. It's had almost 3,500 views. That's 3,500 views. And that's not repetitive. You can watch it one time. But it, all that stuff keeps up. You, it only counts you one time. 3,500 views of what went on in just that one short clip. It's our connection to those around us, loving on all. But finally, the application of the temple. Our vertical objective, we, we've seen the vertical ministry of relating to God, but the vertical objective of our application here at Eastside is, number one, to worship. To worship every Sunday, every Monday. Everything in our life should be about worshiping Him. And it starts through prayer and praise, preaching, giving, all the aspects of worship. We ought to be keeping that at the forefront of our mind and applying it to our lives. He said, here, you've misused the temple. It's all about worship. And then the horizontal objective. You know what happens when we use God's word and worship him in spirit and in truth? You know what happens? Evangelism happens 
The good news of Jesus Christ will be spread. Discipleship will happen. We'll grow deeper and deeper. And may I say, our small groups will be beginning two Sunday nights, in two Sunday nights, the 24th. And there'll be a class on Job that ladies can go to. And then there'll be a class on the gospel by the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, J.D. Greer wrote, the gospel. And it will be for men, women alike, whoever wants to go, but the Job class will be for ladies, and then we'll be working on announcing the one for young people. But it's a way to be discipled, to go deeper. Sunday school, you think it's not important? You're the one that needs it the most important. We all need to grow deeper in discipleship, fellowship. Man, I love to fellowship with believers. We need to fellowship, and then ministry, serving others. Church, we need to be serving. We need to be sending. We need to be growing. We need to be loving. And in so doing, the triumph of Jesus that we see him riding into this city, because of his obedience in death, burial, and resurrection, we can see the victory in our lives today. Do you know there's coming a day where those who are born again will reign with him. Do you know that? We will reign and rule with the king of kings. There's a day, believer, when you'll walk the red carpet. The carpet prepared by his blood, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be, shall be white as snow. I want to show you something one last time. Steve, if you'll hit those lights. I want to show you a glimpse of what it looks like when we have a spirit to serve the Lord. Black, white, old, young, it doesn't matter. When the love of Christ overwhelms us, then we'll see the triumph of Jesus through us. I'll show you this as those uh, are... Our band comes to the instruments.
out of the seat of your emotions, may it move your spirit. And say, you know, every day of my life, I can serve somebody. I can roll the red carpet out of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I can love on everybody. Whether they're 82-year-old named Hubcap. Or whether they're a young boy that all night says, I want the Barney song. Play the Barney song. They did the interview with him on TOC. Or the sweet lady grabbed me and hugged me. Or the one that sat on the stage and tried to get up there and dance. Whatever it takes, will we be found faithful to the one who has triumphed over it all and given his life a ransom for many? Whatever you need to do this morning, why not walk that path to Jesus? Stand and come.